What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily fantasy football podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iyer, and when I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football at SportingNews.com. So I hope you'll check out what I do there and all the great content we have on SN. While I'm here, I'm going to continue to help you win your fantasy football leagues in 2016. On today's show, we'll look at the first wave of preseason games in week two, and there's a lot of developments here to check out. Uh, We'll come back on Monday and break down what else we saw in the preseason uh, going forward to taking the notes if you're drafting next week. So let's get right into it here with the Eagles and Steelers playing on Thursday. The question mark for the Eagles continues to be really not their quarterback. Sam Bradford's going to be the guy with uh, Carson Wentz still battling the ribs, but running back just looks like a mess here. Darren Sproles continues to look like their best option. Wendell Smallwood, everyone thought he was going to play in this game. He was a late scratch. I still like the rookie most here. Ryan Matthews didn't look all that impressive. The lesson here is really the Eagles' offense just looks like a mess at the moment. It's hard to trust anything out of this, including uh, Nelson Aguilar as kind of their default wide receiver. Doriel Green Beckham didn't have a great game there in first game with the Eagles. So this is just an offense that... It doesn't look good. It's just out of sync. Uh, still learning a lot of things for Doug Peterson. and uh, I would stay away as much as you can uh, if you can in your drafts. On the other side, you had the Steelers, the home team, and there's been a lot of hype about Sammy Coates, and he had a really tough game the first time around with a couple of fumbles. This game, he didn't really fight to stop an interception there that was thrown by Landry Jones, and he ran a ra- wrong route on one play, and then and then later he made a dazzling catch down the sideline. So this is what you're kind of going to get from Coates. He's very inconsistent. He's very talented. But Eli Rogers has made an impression as well as a next receiver up on this team. And I think there could be more opportunities for Rogers than we think. Right now, I think more Marcus Wheaton could eventually be phased out because he's not healthy right now and if Rodgers keeps impressing I think that's what's going to happen. Coates is still going to be trusted a lot in this offense. He's just too special with everything he can do. Just getting downfield, stretching it and also making things happen after the catch. So I wouldn't worry too much about Coates. Uh, I just wouldn't expect him to be that consistent performer maybe that uh, we saw Bryant when he was in the hot stretch for the Steelers. We'll stick with the wide receivers as we flip over to the Bengals and the Lions. And this game really has confirmed our thoughts about two 
favorite sleepers for the season. Tyler Boyd is one of them. Brandon LaFell had the hand injury. He was scratched from the lineup. Brandon Tate was supposed to start in this game, but then all of a sudden Tyler Boyd, right before game time, got the nod, and that's the way it should have gone for the Bengals. He's had an impressive training camp, really done everything he can to carve out a prominent role on this team, the wide receiver core. They wanted to start him in the slot, but I don't think that's going to be possible now with LaFell's injury. They need to get Boyd out there as much as possible as a number two receiver with A.J. Green. Had another huge catch in this game. Everything he does is the highlight reel. You have to trust in Boyd now that he used to be a flyer late in the 200 range of your overall draft board, but now he's a must draft there as a potential wide receiver three. On the other side, Marvin Jones, I think he looks more like a wide receiver too. I think Golden Tate still is getting a lot of love and drafts ahead of Jones, and this has got to change because Matthew Stafford really trusts Marvin Jones at this point. He admitted it. They talked a lot about their chemistry after the game. It's very good right now. He throws it up anywhere on the field to him. He catches it. Big plays, red zone. All the numbers are going to be there for Jones. This looks like a terrific signing for the Lions and Stafford, and the numbers are going to show it. Moving on to our next game, it's the Falcons. And really the thing we keep looking at with the Falcons is Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman in the backfield. How much is Coleman going to cut into Freeman's status? Can you trust Freeman as that RB1 in the late first round or early second round of your fantasy drafts? Yeah, I think you can. You just have to be careful in relation to other guys. I think I'd rather have a Lamar Miller at ahead of him. I might start thinking about Eddie Lacy ahead of uh, Freeman. I know that Coleman hasn't looked good and Freeman looked a lot better in this game, but the Falcons really want to get Coleman involved. So that's something you just have to keep in mind with Freeman. He is holding him off pretty well. He's going to have a prominent role as the lead back in this offense. It's just not as clear-cut to me as a situation with Miller or, or Lacy where they're going to dominate the touches. So just keep that in mind uh, as this develops. On the other side, you've got to look at the Browns and RG3 and Terrell Pryor. This is just an amazing combination. Robert Griffin III had an up-and-down opener there against the Packers. Here against the Falcons, they did lose the game, but when he was out there, he was clicking with Pryor with a big 50-yard uh, touchdown catch. He looked good with Gary Barnage, which I didn't think would necessarily develop, but with the receiver injuries right now, they have to uh, trust these guys that are out there. And Pryor's had that big opportunity. He's going to be out there starting in week one. They hope with Corey Coleman. He hasn't played yet, the rookie from Baylor. He's had the hamstring injury, but no matter how you slice it, Pryor's going to be out there in a big factor immediately. Josh Gordon's going to be missing some time with the suspension. So I think week one, if you were going to plug in a Browns receiver as your wide receiver three, I think it would have to be Pryor because we have to see Coleman play first. And I think Coleman eventually is going to be a valuable, consistent player in your lineup. But Pryor can help you early in the season for sure, especially this chemistry with uh, RG3 holds up. We go to the Raiders and the Packers, and for the Raiders, their offense kind of stunk in this game. Derek Carr wasn't very good. The running game didn't really get going. What I was impressed with was the defense, and Khalil Mack did get in there with a sack, and the first team had did some good things, but it's Bruce Irvin, Ben Heaney, Sean Smith. A lot of the guys that they're counting on to com compliment Mack really came through in this game, and really after a slow start, they kind of uh, – 
turn the screws on. So the Raiders are a favorite sleeper defense of mine. I think they should be drafted as a starter in every league. A lot of playmakers there for Jack Del Rio. Khalil Mack is like Von Miller, and I think he can really head that way. And right now, Von Miller might be a king of linebackers in the NFL, but Mack with his end linebacker status, he can really raise the rest of his defense, and they put a lot of complementary pieces around him to be successful. With the Packers, Eddie Lacy, they basically fed him the ball the entire first drive. He just bowled over everyone, had a big 20-yard gain through a massive hole to open it, dived into the end zone, looked spry doing that, really was smart with his vision and yards after contact. Everything about Lacy is looking outstanding, like he was the 2013-2014 version of himself. Whatever you think, if you don't necessarily think he's a little slimmer, it doesn't really matter. He just looks a lot better in, in the way he's running and attacking defenses at this point. So I would start trusting him a little bit more as an RB1. I know people have dropped him there with Mark Ingram and some other guys, but I think he's uh, kind of uh, rising up the charts where he's definitely in that uh, top 8, top 10 running back conversation. Moving on to the Bears and the Patriots, and the Bears had a backfield thing that we had to kind of uh, sort out there with, is Jeremy Lankford going to hold up and be the feature guy and really push this out of a committee situation? He's doing his best. He had eight carries for 55 yards in this game, showed the explosiveness. That's really where he kind of stands out from the rest of these guys. Right now, things have helped because Kadeem Carey has been concussed. He's out of it. Jaquiz Rogers is very limited to being a third down back. And Jordan Howard got some good volume volume in this game. But the rookie is still really kind of a change of pace power back. I don't think he can handle a big role. So everything has come up roses for Lankford here. And you can start to trust him more on your boards as a week-in, week-out starter as your RB2. And that's a great development because – we really thought Lankford was in the doghouse early with John Fox, and uh, now it looks like more of one guy uh, carrying the load. On this side of the Patriots, there's a few things to talk about them. Tom Brady, freak accident, well, of his own doing in before the game, trying to get something out of his cleat. He slices his right thumb. Well, that's a good thing because that means the Patriots won't be tempted to put in Tom Brady at all in the preseason. He'll be all rested, good to go, when he returns October 9th against Cleveland. Meantime, Jimmy Garoppolo continued to get the long look, and I think you've pretty much understood what you're going to get from Garoppolo when Brady's gone. 16 for 21, 181, and a TD. It's going to be like that. Very high-volume passes, but the numbers may not be there with a lot of dump-offs, conservative-type passing. And I Look at Garoppolo. He's going to lean a lot on the guys that are healthy and out there. When that happens in the regular season it'll be Rob Gronkowski obviously sat out of this game after being banged up in the first game Martellus Bennett looked pretty good as his security blanket for now and then Chris Hogan came back and that's a good development at wide receiver Danny Amendola still out Uh, Julian Edelman was being held out for other purposes and you have uh, Malcolm Mitchell the rookie at wide receiver not in the mix so you needed Hogan out there to at least inspire some confidence in this Receiving core, 453 line, pretty solid. And for him, it, the question has been health, but he's a good versatile receiver out there, and he's also going to help Garoppolo. As for Hogan alone with his fantasy value, I'd just be very wary when Gronk and Bennett 
are all good to go. And you have Edelman next in this pecking order and Deion Lewis and James White out of the backfield. There's not going to be much left for Hogan. So he's going to be a nice help to the quarterback. But in terms of fantasy, I don't know how many weeks or situations that you're going to be able to start him. In the backfield, LeGarrette Blount is getting a surprise push from Tyler Gaffney. We mentioned Gaffney as a deep sleeper if he can make this team. Blount is doing everything he can to make sure Gaffney doesn't make this team with a powerful performance here. 11 carries for 69 yards. Gaffney got the same amount of carries, turned in only 31 yards. So Blunt is holding off a pretty good charge here. It seems like the Patriots are always pushing Blunt in some way as that uh, kind of big power back. And Gaffney has been the carrot here. It's been a nice effort from Gaffney. He's gotten some first stream reps, but I would still expect Blunt to be the overwhelming favorite to come out as that uh, top early down back in New England. And that's where you have to kind of draft him now. It's really hard to trust Blunt, but he's giving us a lot of reasons to do so now. Let's move on to the Seahawks and Vikings, the two teams that uh, met each other in the playoffs last year. And Blair Walsh, of course, had a miss reminiscent of that game in this, in this one, but we're not here to talk about kickers. Seahawks, on their side, it's all about Christine Michael right now. This backfield looked like a super crowd here with Thomas Rawls, but he took a while to get back from his ankle injury. He still may not play until week one. Alex Collins is a rookie. C.J. Procise is a rookie, and he's a hurt rookie now. So I don't know how much they can trust him right away on third downs. And uh, you look at Michael, and he's just come out gangbusters the entire offseason, really, and he's kind of applied that in the preseason game. 11 carries for 64 yards, actually 11 touches for 64 yards. And that's a key designation there because he had a catch for nine yards. That shows he can do a little in the passing game as well. So – you might look more at a Rawls-Michael combination here without ProSize in the mix early. I think Michael will get some significant touches and be involved on third downs with Rawls. So this is slowly developing into more of a timeshare, and it should be because Rawls is coming off an uncertain injury. Michael has looked healthy. So I, I think Michael has some great value here late in your draft as a must-have handcuff for Rawls, but I think he might have some standalone value uh, maybe in the platoon situations as your RB2 or flex. We go to the Vikings. Teddy Bridgewater didn't play this game. He was banged up with a knee injury. Laquan Treadwell has been a disappointment so far. He had four targets in this game, didn't catch any of them. He's clearly behind Charles Johnson in that uh, race to start with Stephon Diggs. I think Jarius Wright is still a factor here as the slot receiver for the Vikings. So when they go three wide early in the season, I think Treadwell is not going to be in that mix. He's just way behind as a first-round pick. This is kind of disappointing because they expected him to be that strong intermediate target for Bridgewater right away. Instead, uh, they go back to Johnson, Diggs, more guys that don't necessarily uh, are consistent with what they can do to help Bridgewater. So this is Disappointing not just for Treadwell, but for the entire Vikings passing game. It's a situation that, yeah, if you're interested in Diggs or Johnson, you can go after, but there's just something about the Vikings and Bridgewater that you can't totally trust to, to give you a good passing production in fantasy. Moving on to the Jets and the Redskins, and 
a couple things to look for in New York. And Bilal Powell has still been their healthiest back. He looked good in this game. Three carries for 23 yards. Kyrie Robinson still not there. Matt Forte still not there. Powell has made sure that he's going to stick around in this backfield and be a factor. So I would watch for Powell continuing to get a bigger role here. He has to by default because he's the only healthy body out there. He looks smooth. I like his complete game for the Jets, and he's going to get those opportunities here. Bryce Petty, 16 of 26, 246 yards, two touchdowns in this game. He's making his claim to displace Geno Smith. Geno did not look very good in this game. Had an interception. was intercepted by Will Blackman early in the game. A lot of things are shaky for Smith. Uh, it's been terrible for him because Ryan Fitzpatrick's come back. He's been demoted to number two. Now Petty's trying to push him out of the next job with uh, Christian Hackenberg behind them all. So just keep that in mind. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick all the way now with the Jets. There's no Geno Smith to look over the shoulder. It might be Petty at some point, but uh, Petty and Smith are fighting for a roster bubble while on the roster bubble while Fitzpatrick is uh, securing his job for the long term this season. Matt Jones looked good for the Redskins on the other side, seven carries for 31 yards, but unfortunately he hurt his shoulder in this game, came out with an AC sprain, is what uh, Jay Gruden said after the game. It's not supposed to keep him out for a long time, but still you, there's a lot of questions about this Washington backfield now. Keith Marshall, Chris Thompson are the options after Jones. Neither look that good in this game, so there's just something – very off-putting about the Redskins running game maybe just the health of Jones the ability to handle that three down roll and these two guys lingering with Marshall and Thompson so I might avoid the situation in fantasy it's I, I would wait for Jones and see what the results are but it's just hard to trust anyone in this backfield to have a, a significant role and Jones has kind of proved that he's not necessarily a durable and ball security wise to uh, handle in this uh, situation now we go to the next game and it's the Cowboys and Alfred Morris I think the Redskins probably could say they need him right now with the, the way things are going with Jones he looked good for the Cowboys 13 carries 85 yards and a touchdown really Dak Prescott was the guy who stole the show he's not going to be anything for fantasy purposes unless something happens to Tony Romo. Romo came out and looked good, a solid uh, two series there, led a touchdown drive. Des Bryant has looked in the midseason form already. And Bryce Butler, he's still in the mix here. I know Terrence Williams has played very well, but it's important that Butler can come on there as a fourth receiver to put on the outside, especially with uh, Cole Beasley working the slot well. This it lines up nicely for all of Romo's weapons. Prescott has definitely taken advantage of all his weapons. So this Cowboys offense is looking spectacular right now. Ezekiel Elliott is not even kind of in there right now with the hamstring. So just imagine when he's back. I think everything is clicking for the Cowboys as we expected. So trust them as usual as a top-flight offense going into the season. On the other side, a couple things for the Dolphins. Aaron Foster, not a great start there. Two carries for minus five yards. and Not thrilled about anything in this running game still. Foster, a lot of people are looking at as a solid RB2. I can't believe that. The age and 
the issues and JHI lingering around there. And he said Isaiah Pede and Daniel Thomas and Damian Williams and all these guys. I, it's just a situation to avoid for me, the Dolphins' backfield. Kenny Stills has proved that he'll be around a little bit in this passing game. That's a good development for Ryan Tannehill behind Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry. Three catches, 71 yards, and two touchdowns for Tannehill. They still have a good chemistry, so I expect that Stills will still be involved quite a bit. Parker, it's not always been able to stay healthy here. It's been kind of his trademark since he was drafted in the first round, so Stills is hanging around as a sleeper, and if Parker is not good to go, I think Stills can have some good value as a wide receiver 4-5 that uh, you can maybe play based on matchups. We go to the final game before Saturday's action, and it was the Cardinals and Chargers on Friday night. And The Cardinals, there's a little bit of concern there. Larry Fitzgerald did not play with a knee injury. It was later revealed to be an MCL sprain. He's expected to be fine and good for the regular season, but there's a little bit of concern there with an older player. He's turning 33 on August 31st, so just keep that in mind. Another thing to keep in mind is the Cardinals passing game, Carson Palmer didn't look very good without Fitzgerald out there. He's kind of the glue with Fitzgerald uh, just being able to play the slot play everywhere. He kind of makes the rest of the passing game go. So with Fitzgerald, I would just be not too worried about it at the, at the moment, but uh, he's definitely someone the Cardinals need back, and he's definitely that uh, someone that all of us in fantasy want to see out there because I think he can build on a very – solid season from last season and be the most productive Cardinals receiver again. The Chargers, on their side, they have a wide receiver issue as well. They're trying to figure out who's the slot guy with Stevie Johnson out. I think Tyrell Williams has pretty much nailed down that job. He looked very good. No Phillip Rivers in this game, but four catches, 47 yards. Keenan Allen had two for 41. So Williams, I would just keep an eye on him because Travis Benjamin is kind of presumed to be the second most impactful receiver behind Allen. Benjamin is more relying on deep speed. I think Williams is a little bit more versatile, has good size, can be more productive, say, in PPR formats. So that's one thing to keep in mind. The Chargers do like spreading the field, throwing to their slot guys. So Williams, just like you watched Stevie Johnson in a lot of situations last season, PPR uh, potential scoring threat here. He has to be on the fancy radar as a deep sleeper. So when you look to the rest of the preseason games, and we'll talk about these from what we saw on Monday, 49ers and Broncos, you want to watch that to see Trevor Simeon getting the start. Is he going to hold off Mark Sanchez? Is Mark Sanchez going to pull ahead? That's what we have to see here in that situation on the same side, same game. The 49ers of Blaine Gabbard. Is Blaine going to do things to just put away Colin Kaepernick, who's not playing out of this competition? So we'll see if those two things are resolved. And then Jared Goff to close the preseason on Saturday night. See if he can make strides there against the Chiefs to nail down this job in St. Louis over Case Keenum. And that's going to help uh, Todd Gurley and the rest of the offense. So there you have it, a breakdown of the good chunk of week two preseason games in the NFL. And with that, another edition of Locked On Fantasy Football is in the books. Be sure you listen to all the great NFL podcasts on the Locked On Network. Matt Williamson does a great job with the National NFL Show. And be sure to check out the local show for your favorite team. I think we're up to 23 now and counting. 
Thanks so much for listening, and please subscribe on Audio Boom or iTunes. For now, I'll see you next time on Locked On Fantasy Football. What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.